0: start murdering people on the And when I get nervous, I walk. And usually I speak too quickly. So if you can understand anything,
1: just keep it to yourself and pretend you did. I'd be very, very careful who you talk to you about that. Because the person who wrote that is dangerous.
0: Good afternoon. Uh, this is Mark Twight, And today uh, I'm sitting in the studio with Michael and with Sean Kingrey, who has driven in from out of town. He's one of our fellow sort of endurance junkies, but, um, turns out he's a bit more junkie than either Michael and I (laughs) are because, you know, both Michael and I have in the past stopped with these kind of things. Well, Sean's journey just seems to be keeping, um, just, he, he goes deeper and deeper and deeper. And that's actually what, um, we want to touch on today Is a couple of interesting, uh, bike races that he has done in the past couple of years. Um, and you know, one of them ended up being on the bike for 18 hours and 34 minutes nonstop or well with stops, but that was, uh, duration of the race and then a uh, 500 mile race done in stages. And then another quite long race. I'm thinking it's how many, 330 kilometers. So I don't do math. Yeah. And it's a couple hundred miles. Yeah. Um, with 20,000 meters of climbing. So for those of you who are metric morons, that's, uh, that'd be around 24,000 feet of climbing in 200 miles. Sick. So, uh, but the, but the approach to each of these races uh, turns out to be fairly different and I think it's an interesting aspect because most people go, oh endurance, it's long and it's slow Well, it's not always slow yeah. and some races turn out to be longer than others and uh, you know with that um, I think for me, Sean, I mean we've uh, spent some time racing together on our bikes and you know, with varying degrees of success, <laughs> I've seen you blow by me and go up the road and I've seen you put it, it in reverse, put it in reverse. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. uh, t- t- utterly by accident. But, Throw the parachute. Yes. <laughs> and uh, so uh, with sort of that, that, that background, um just that the idea of this four horseman race, when you first started talking to me about it, uh, as an sort of invitation only race, you have to have had done one of the sort of death ride or big races like the Everest challenge beforehand, um, in order to be, you know, even considered for entry, it's some ridiculous entry process of sending a postcard to some guy, right? Yeah. You actually had to write a resume. Um, and he already
1: knew because he sent these private emails to the people he wanted to consider. So he already knew who we were. And then you had to return a resume stating all the ultra endurance things you have done. Ultra endurance he defined as over 150 miles.
0: Oh, okay. So. This sounds
1: like somebody we would get along with, <laughs> just requiring some kind of
2: random yeah, buy-in. I, he, I like him already.
1: Yeah, and it was this invitation, and, and he said for this race that he will not tell you how far, but it would definitely be more than 200 miles mm. and more than 20,000 feet of climbing. Ouch. And that is where he left
0: it. And, and with no time cap, essentially. Or, I, well, I mean, if you're not done by Sunday night, sometime.
1: Well, and ended up how he structured it is we had a hotel that we would start at, and we would, he would hand you a cue card. You would go out and do the loop that prescribed. On that card. On that card. You come back, and if you've made his arbitrary time cut. Which you didn't know what it was. Which you didn't know what it was. <laughs> okay, excellent. excellent. Um, <laughs> He gave you card two. And you go out on that loop. And you go out on
0: that like, loop. As long as you keep making the time cuts on the loops, you could keep going. You uh, can keep going. So this sounds a lot like the Barclay Marathon kind of deal. Have you guys from a, have no. you heard of that? One? Yeah. Tennis, okay. I want to say the Appalachian something. The something.
2: And it's like 60-hour... There's an invitation-only process, uh-huh. um, but it also... There's actually
0: a documentary on Netflix. Oh, is there? Okay. That, yeah. Uh, I haven't seen that yet. a ridiculous title, like, <laughs> you know, Race Until You Go Blind or whatever <laughs> <laughs> the documentary is. Uh, um. Race Until You Hate Yourself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there, I think there's
2: only like one or two people that ever finish it because it, it, it the time cuts sound very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, the invitation process sounds very similar. And my first thought is like, what is attracting people to these things? Mm-hmm but we have somebody that was attracted to these things in the room. And so we want to get down to them. Um, so
0: like, Sean, why the fuck did you yeah, decide the, to do this? Wait a second. I have a better, more
2: pertinent <laughs> oh, question. Okay. okay.
0: What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> oh, <laughs> it, it is deep. <laughs> <laughs> um, the t- time cap mm. for uh, a podcast, how many hours can we upload? Three, I think. Okay, so Um, there's your... Well... (laughs) You start describing what's wrong with you, we'll tell you when to stop.
1: Yeah, yeah, what is wrong with me? Because it's funny, uh, when I first started, I think my fifth ever road race was the Everest Challenge with Mark. And the funny thing about that was um, I came out here and I did... Porcupine Hill Climb, yeah, Big Cottonwood, yeah,
0: race, yeah, and
1: I did fairly well, I think. Yeah, fifteenth overall, yeah, that, something that like day? that. I yeah, think, and you're yeah. like, you should do this thing, you um, know. I'm
0: <laughs> foolish, so I said okay, I can do this. And cause, the, cause that's exactly how I got tricked into it. So he's <laughs> like, you're a climber. There's this bike race with Mount Everest in the name. You should do it. <laughs> like, oh, I, well, to be honest, I think that's how I've done
2: 90% of the bike races was a <laughs> trick from a friend and my own stupidity.
1: Yeah. And, <laughs> and the funny thing was, is I did the Everest challenge day two. I could barely put on my bibs. I was like, this is the hardest
0: fucking thing I've ever done. So let me let me interrupt. So uh, the Everest Challenge, two day stage race out on the east side of the Sierra, basically um, out of Bishop, California, and over the course of those two days, you do three climbs each day, and the total elevation gain is uh, dur- accumulated over the two stages is twenty nine thousand and two feet, or whatever Ooh. it is, which is the, um, uh, the 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 elevation of the summit of Mount Everest, and uh, the first day it's. Uh, it's 80, a longer day. Yeah, it's 80. So it's 85 or 90 miles because the, the last 20 down or whatever is neutralized. So, um, and then the next day, it's a little bit longer, if I recall correctly. And, um, and, and, and the, the, the finish line is at right around 10,000 feet. Yeah. It's gone off. yeah. Oh. <laughs> Pretty epic. So you got talked into this by somebody yes. who had, had that experience once before and uh-huh. thought, man, misery loves company. And yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I go out and day two, I am wrecked
1: but i don't have the sense of self-preservation to stop so i started and i suffered my way i groveled my way through it and i was like i will never in my life do something that hard again i it's too much i don't have the disposition for it. like all this shit that i told myself a, you,
0: you get It's a long drive home from that race, and you got a lot of time to think as you're cramping up yeah. for seven hours straight or longer. Well, for me, yeah, I think it
1: was seven hours to Salt Lake and then another seven hours home. I
0: right. believe it's... It might be longer I can, than that. Uh, yeah, it's nine or ten to Salt Lake, if I recall. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. yeah, and then you had another all the way to get to yeah. Colorado, so
2: what yeah. was the ratio deal that we were talking about earlier? Like, oh, you know, oh, that
1: ratio went out the window.
0: Well, the maybe not the, the first year.
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, the ratio so, is the race has to be longer than the drive. So you're
2: saying the shittier you are, the more you can travel to other places <laughs> to get,
3: to, express <laughs> to participate. St-
2: yeah. yeah, to express Good. your... That sounds yeah. like another ridiculous algorithm that we have um, just to do with like keeping leanness is like however many abs you can see that's how many treats you can have on the day it makes no <laughs> sense it's just an arbitrary rule that can get you into trouble which this seems very
1: similar <laughs> it does Shit. get you into trouble nice it <laughs> involves getting on airplanes and going halfway around the world eventually
2: but so you've had the so you've gone down you've done these things that are essentially ridiculous in nature like uh, well like there's a difference happening here Um, Mm -hmm. i have never done one of these things that you're talking about (laughs) i've been on some epic um rides of sorts it's not that i don't you know yeah but to sign up for a day i'm making a, a a distinction here maybe you can correct me if i'm wrong that there is a huge difference um between a normal bike race which which i would i would categorize as like a group enforced difficulty, right? The, the difficulty is based on your competition that's next to you. And it seems like the things that you are really drawn to are, are like a self-imposed challenge. Like, it's not that there's other people involved. It's that the terrain itself, the distance, the ascent that you're climbing, those are the real challenges. And your, your placing, although is important, it's not the same as, you know, a tour of Hilo where you know the the competition is at such a level that you're more afraid of the competition than the terrain is that is that yeah a distinction? and I,
1: I approach each of those events differently okay. i want to win both events sure yeah yeah, yeah. because i'm a competitive person um but i i realize the difficulty probably isn't going to be the other people mm. there is an exception in some of that like racing Tour of Mont Blanc mm-hmm. where 19-year-old Neo Pro knows more about bike racing than I'm going to say it maybe a guy like Joe Holmes like these kids <laughs> just they've been racing road
0: bikes since they were 5 yeah. years old they right. know more in the most competitive environment for mm-hmm. cycling yeah on earth I would say maybe maybe I'm giving Italy short shrift but maybe the Basque country I don't know yeah but,
1: yeah, and so, yes, the competition then becomes an issue of how do I ride this smart,
0: you know, mm-hmm. but. Because in that one, it, it, I've, it, it, if, if I can say something from the out, you know, see from the yeah. outside, the Tour of Mont Blanc came um, at, at a... It, a long ways into the progression. Like yes. you've done a bunch of these races before, like Everest challenge first time. Okay. You're surviving. How mm. you, how are you placed? You know, it's just like, yeah. I need to get back to Bishop and to that bakery where they have that strudel. <laughs> so yes. I can have five or six of them before I get in the car and drive home. Um, and then there was a point where I think, cause you went back to the Everest challenge. I've done and it three times. Three times and, you've yeah. actually, and then you've actually raced it, mm-hmm. um, trying, you know, fighting mm. or racing for position. And then I think the, you know, the hoodoo obviously was, you know that was race for position yes. over a long period of time tour of mont blanc i think that one has, has an even a higher level it's a one day thing yeah essentially yeah um and it and because the level of competition is so high plus now you've got a lot of these crazy things under your you know this duration under your belt yeah you can go into it if not with a survival mentality but the racing mentality y- yeah and that is actually
1: a big distinction when i first started these things it was When I went back to the Everest challenge, it was, I want to do better, whatever that looks like. And then it turned into, I think I can win this, which I've never managed to. It's one of those cursed events for me. Um, Tour of Park City kind of was that way too for a while until I figured out how to win that. Where just, you know, some days you have bad days and it's, and it sucks when you put all that energy into a big race and you had that bad day, but it's also fucking bike racing. You're going to flat sometimes. Yeah, luck
2: plays a huge part of this. I think that um, maybe I'm not, I'm trying to put this in perspective yeah, because yeah. the distances and the, the ascent, like I, you say the numbers and I just go, yeah, fuck that. But I think for people listening that don't have a conception of what we're talking about, just to put it in, you know, um normal rooms i'm trying to think of what the best way to relate like something like the everest challenge which is in entry fee into maybe some of these bigger ones that we'll yes. get into if i break that down it's thirty thousand feet of climbing yes so essentially if you live in salt lake city like i do mm-hmm. and you you find like
0: one of the tallest canyons here and we'll just say you know big cottonwood what well no that? like so so the, the first year that i did it mm-hmm. um i had my training prep going into uh, that max Testa had written for me. And he said, okay, you've never done anything like this. The biggest day of climbing you've ever had on a bike is like 7,000 feet. He goes, I need you to go. You're going to, you're gonna, We're going to do two different rehearsals. The first one you're going to do is that you are going to do the race over four days, right? Hmm. You're going to accumulate the 30,000 feet of climbing over four days. So you could go out and do seven thousand feet, go out and do eight thousand feet, and then another maybe you know, maybe the next day you're pretty fucked and you only do five and that leaves you you know, with ten thousand feet to to do on the fourth day. And then he said, and then you'll rest a week and then you're gonna go and you're gonna do and it might have been the reverse, might have done it in two days, but um, and then four. But so either a four day rehearsal and then a two day rehearsal where you gotta go out and do fifteen thousand feet of climbing each day. And so in Salt Lake, I think the you know, the, the 15,000, the one of the 15,000 foot days was, um, I just like rode the canyons in order from the South, oh, a yeah, little yeah. cottonwood, <laughs> big thing. cottonwood, mill Creek up over immigration over big mountain, out to East Canyon and back. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was trying I, to make it even more simple. I was like, okay. <laughs> Suncrest is about a
2: thousand feet of gain. Okay. at yep. 10%. It's about three miles long. I'll just do that
1: 30 times.
3: Yeah, it, it,
1: <laughs> and that's actually almost kind of the way I went with it. With prepping, let's we'll stay with Everest challenge for mm-hmm. a second. Um, is there's a pass by my house called Hardscrabble Pass? It's about a four thousand foot climb. I did it one time, six eight, six times in a row. Uh, so, so that's
2: it. so your preparation for this because this becomes. Uh, I'm just going to throw the horns. That's
0: that's a good day.
2: The conception that most people have, like, you know, for racing these kind of things, um, I I would hate to say this moniker, but in order to go long, you have to. You have to go long. Okay. (laughs) And high, apparently. Yes. (laughs) That's. Baffling to me, just in general, like prepping for one of these monstrosities. What does the, the just the overall volume look like? Uh,
1: you need to commit the low end. I would say fifteen hours a week on a quote unquote recovery week, mm. and twenty plus a twenty. I think I every year there's usually a thirty hour week thrown in yeah. there somewhere, just a pure overload, mm. and the next week's followed by nothing but sleeping and eating. Okay. And, and there's still fifteen hours on a bike, but it feels like nothing it, after you've done thirty. After you've done thirty, yeah. <laughs> um. So and, ha- and had a nap. Feel yeah. lazy. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, you have to do the big hours. But when prepping for the, um. Well, you
0: didn't. There's no shortcut. Like you <laughs> couldn't just do.
3: I,
1: well, I was gonna do like, CrossFit for three times a week, and then and um, then one long day every ten days. And yeah, I was gonna do that, but I, I, I was chose. Gonna, you thought not that was to. fucking insane and
2: <laughs> well, no, stupid. I was okay. gonna say I was gonna do uh, CrossFit three days on, one day off, and then during the race I was gonna do uh, three hours on, and then I was gonna quit
0: because that <laughs> resembles my training, <laughs> which which could be something. So, I, or you I, might get through two hours of the race and then your chain wallet would come out of your bib shorts and (laughs) go into your back wheel and wreck your bike and then you could quit. (laughs) Oh, no, bro. (laughs) Uh, So
2: walk us into, what's the the timeline? So you did Everest a couple times and then what was the big, what was the attraction to the next big challenge or one of these monstrosities?
1: I think I remember Mark and I having a conversation one time about doing... Oh, something big on the bike that resembled—what climb was it that you and the House did in Alaska?
0: Deprivation. That would have been with Scott. Scott. Where, yeah. Was that this like seventy-two hour? Yes, and and and, of, and by the end of the the seventy-two, like yeah, we went, um, yeah, thirty-nine hours nonstop.
1: Yeah, and so you talked about maybe something like that on the bike is possible. Um, just, it, just it, it,
0: chumming the water for sure. Cause, like, yeah. Cause
1: yeah. It, and it's funny though, because I was like, that's fucking insane. And then it starts kind of simmering in the back burner of my brain and you start to <laughs> realize,
2: you know, there's some people that thank Mark Dwight for his ideas. And then there's others <laughs> that blame him
3: for his ideas. It,
1: it, and so it started becoming like, well, actually, what is possible? Like, what could I truly endure? And this actually leads something to you once said, Michael, that if you're an endurance athlete, why are you not trying to endure? And you didn't say it to me. You're saying it about other folks, those oh. people who are trying to do those shortcut. Oh, fuck. Um, that was a long what, time ago. Yeah, I like, don't agree with that anymore. No, I'm
2: just joking. joking. I, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I think it, it came out of the... Um,
1: Chris Carmichael thing, maybe?
2: Uh, maybe the four-hour... I can't remember what it was. Oh, uh, I,
1: oh
0: yeah, no, I know no, exactly no, no. what it was. You, I know you know exactly what it was. <laughs> it was
2: a CrossFit endurance pro, uh, proponent, Brian McKenzie, trying to find like what's the bare minimum you could do to do these big challenges. I think specifically he was talking about Iron Man. And my big thing was like, if you want to do endurance training, why aren't you like, you should enjoy it? You shouldn't be trying to shortcut. You should be trying to figure out how to do more of it. And it's just like, hey, you like baking cakes? Like, don't bake your own cake, just buy the box. And you'd be like, well, why the fuck would I do that? I enjoy the process. I enjoy the
0: baking as much, if not more, than I enjoy eating. And this comes
2: down to like something that we talk about. A lot of people that do these things, they. Uh, well, this conception that, um, man, I would be such a cool guy if I finished this thing or if I won this thing or they imagine the reward and there is no sustainability in that.
0: But it's also, I mean, it goes back to this idea of like, I want to have done it. I don't want to do it. Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I want the cake. I don't want to fucking mix the flour and measure things and have a conception of how, you know, chemistry in an oven works.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. I think people need to realize is that the reward, and I've won some of these bigger races, it doesn't last very long. I try to enjoy it, but I also realize it's fleeting and I don't fucking cling to it. I like the process. I I truly hate recovery weeks. I really hate because I like riding my bike. I truly do. I, I know it sounds stupid,
0: but... So, if I enjoy riding my bike, why don't I just ride my bike more? And especially if that takes me closer to the objective of actually winning one of these things things that is somewhat dependent on volume. Yes, it's, I think
1: there's no replacement for volume on these type of things. Oh, no. (laughs) Fuck
2: no. (laughs) No, there's just like, and and if I. I from my experience, there's an adaptation in the perineum that needs to happen, <laughs> <laughs> not just not just in the legs and the mitochondria and the lungs. It's there's definitely very specific features anatomically that need to get used to a position, and you will never get 100% used to it. The, there's the politically a re- correct way
1: to say that is contact points. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and and that's actually yeah, that's honestly something to start considering like for um that four horsemen ride every time I came back to the hotel I had clean bibs mm. and a different pair of shoes Ooh. and because just difference
0: difference in different hot spots mm-hmm. and, and and then from soggy to dry <laughs> in the case of the bib shorts yes in the case of the bib shorts <laughs> and actually
1: socks too um thicker socks yeah thinner ones after your some, feet got swollen. swollen yeah and i actually bought a pair of shoes that were half a size too big i never wear them except in the winter when i want to pack yeah. more socks on so my because i knew my feet were going to swell i learned that from the everest challenge so and because on the second day your
0: feet on Everest, I never said, no that race you're so fucked
1: yeah <laughs> like your feet look like you're pregnant I, I
2: don't
0: yeah.
1: have a better analogy. You're just retaining water. Uh,
2: and this is this is something we, we I mean, we, we harp on this. So I'm going to harp, continue to do this because a lot of the misconceptions is that fitness and the preparation for events has only to do with some physical thing. And I mean, obviously, this is a preparation. You're learning to prepare your body. You're learning little ins and outs of just how to take care of yourself During a process that was trying to kill your body like this thing is breaking you down day in and day out for however many days or hours that it is a day And your fight isn't that oh, I need to have a higher vo2 max I need to have a better lactose threshold your idea in your first head is like well if I can Have comfortable feet and better contact points and better posture then I can endure more than just if I have better lung capacity
1: yeah, and I mean for some people that might be maybe one of those wonky fucking high head mm. tube stupid begging dog positions but for me I still ride a really aggressive position. Oh well, yeah, style matters. A fucking ace style. <laughs> <matters>. <laughs> but, and I want to look like David Miller. I want that perfect flat back. I want <laughs> oh, you know man. dead fucking sexy.
2: Uh, what was it? He was complaining at, at one point after he I think he shattered uh, he had an accident and then uh Shattered something at his foot, his ankle, I think, and then his he he was continually driven mad because his pedal stroke wasn't even it wasn't perfect. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't symmetrical or it wasn't the exact. <laughs> and I have this That's... same deal with like shattering my elbow and it's just is kinked a little bit. Mm-hmm. So instead of you know I kink my other arm to make it symmetrical.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny, but those I honestly think though a lot of times function follows form Mm. if it looks right it probably is right and certain things should look a certain way and when they look a certain way the end result usually
0: happens I mean a positive end result a positive uh, end result yes because the end result is going to happen either no matter what (laughs) yes that's (laughs) true and we've all experienced (laughs) the getting the result in the end (laughs) we have all experienced that yeah (laughs)
2: yes so i'm you mentioned this race and i'm really interested in this because i didn't know this thing existed and i only know where mont blanc is just because Mark used to live very close to there, mm-hmm. uh, and he's talked about it in his books. And in, obviously, it, I, I believe you described to me one time riding your motorcycle through the tunnel of Mont Blanc. and That was <laughs> fascinating, because basically, uh, how
0: how much carbon dioxide can <laughs> you inhale? Carbon, <laughs> carbon monoxide, oh, I <laughs> mean, I it, see, and, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, in a 13-kilometer-long tunnel. But the, I, I think the, the, that particular story, the interesting part was like, Coming, riding back across Northern Italy in November on a motorcycle, Uh, like 500 K into it. And I'm (laughs) almost home. I get up to Cormayer, and I'm just, I've been jackhammer shivering since Milan (laughs) or whatever. And I get into the tunnel and it's fucking warm. Oh, how glorious. Like 13 kilometers. And I'm I'm just like, I, I'm totally relieved on the entry, like the Mm -hmm. first two K in the tunnel. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm warming up. I can feel my fucking hands. This is awesome. I'm not shivering anymore. And then halfway through the tunnel, I think, I'm fucking going to fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> like, I need, I'm seriously, like, it's warm and it's kind of, you know, the. It's luring it, you. It's just, like, it just lulling me into this thing. And I said, I need to really, really pay attention so I can get out the other side. And then, of course, get out the other side on to the French side of um, Mont Blanc, where it was just as cold as on the Italian side. It's <laughs> like back, teeth chatter. You know, it's only, you know, six or seven K from the entrance of the tunnel back to the house. But, um, yeah anyway it's it's if there's to get under mont blanc there's a 13 kilometer long tunnel that's a straight line that indicates that it's a reasonably um wide massif from (laughs) sort of and um and and it is quite a bit longer in terms of you know the geographic sense than it is wide so riding a bike around it as you said is 330 kilometers on exist you know the paved cattle paths that (laughs) became the you know, secondary roads or what are now secondary roads. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, you start outside of Chamonix. You descend and you... And the wonderful thing about that is you start at like 4 a.m. It's pitch black. (laughs) They tell you you must have a light, but you also know you have all this climbing. So you purchase... And everyone does the same thing. The smallest light that you think... I might be able to survive this. It's a single LED diode or
2: whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> ridiculous.
0: Now I got a Casio watch. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I just leave the indigo. <laughs> <The> <aglow. laughs> and it starts with
1: this descent, and it's quote-unquote neutral. It was neutral at 50 miles an hour. <laughs> In the fucking dark, going down this godforsaken road that I've never been on because... I'm one of like three Americans who were dumb enough to do this. And I'm just like, oh, fuck. This is what I signed up for. And, and I just like. Why well, a- complain? A- I said I wanted to do this. Exactly. And there's these frost heaves. And every time I'd hit one of these frost heaves on this descent, my little stupid light would point straight down so I could see the skewer of my wheel, but nothing in front of me. So, at 50 miles an hour in the dark, trying to readjust said light <laughs> and chasing, like, every corner is like a, a crit race chase. And I was like, holy shit, this is, this is unreal. And and, um, and thank God, like, we start getting close to Shamani, and we, you've already done a couple, like, little cat two climbs. And, yeah, the Cat 2 Climbs, they're hardly even mentioned. People are just like, ah, that's nothing. (laughs) But a Cat 2 Climb is not nothing. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. what's Big Cottonwood? Maybe a Cat 2 Climb? I don't
2: even think that. I don't know. Yeah,
0: I think it's it's HC if you go to the top of Guardsman. but... I think uh, Little Cottonwood is... Okay, too, just because of the distance, isn't it? Oh, fuck. I mean,
2: yeah, I don't you
1: know, know. I uh, Either way, it's like an hour-long climb or
2: something. Yeah, like
0: yeah,
1: yeah. So they're not insignificant climbs, but, like, all the guys racing it are just like, this is nothing. And they yeah. give you that French wonderful <laughs> flip of the hand, yeah. and you're like, yeah, okay, fucking guys. <laughs> um, and the thing is, the people in that race that everyone has... They didn't worry about the climbs. They had all rehearsed the descents is what they told me. They would come to Chamonix like the week before to work the descent. The descents because they understood that was where
0: the money was because everyone in that race can climb just fine. Yeah. Because if you can't climb, you wouldn't go to that race. But
1: yeah. And but so no one cares about the climbs,
0: but the descents are where it matters. And like, I mean, um, we, we talked about the descent off the four claw down into Martinique. I mean, that's. It's a serious descent with, you know, very aggro switchbacks. Very aggro switchbacks. And, and long enough stretches in between them to get going really fucking fast.
1: Yeah, really fast and start entertaining some interesting existential thoughts. <laughs> um, <laughs> like what does flight feel like? <laughs> and Yeah, if I wreck here, do I land on the next tear down of this
0: switchback <laughs> or do I stop in the vineyard that's between this <laughs> this stretch of road and the lower one <laughs> yeah
1: and it's and really that is it's a weird concept cuz you can go so fast and 20 minutes later you're groveling up this godforsaken and whatever next climb it is
0: and you're going and the relationship to in the to like speed and risk and that sort of thing during those descents like early on in a race like that you're just fucking like so nerve-wracking and you're carrying a lot of tension into those descents and yep. then man you're fucking nine hours into the race I same don't, descent do not give a fuck like yeah okay break i don't know that guy's not breaking <laughs> yeah like, like <laughs> why would i <laughs> like just yeah coming
1: down the petite Saint bernard there's a place where jens voigt wrecked you can find it Online, it's f- a fucking horror show. I had watched that stage in my prep on the trainer because I wanted to know where what these things look like, what to expect. Places, goes back to
0: that prep of where can I eat? Where can I? But because traveling to a race like that, you don't have the opportunity yeah. to prep, to rehearse those descents or climbs. I have yeah. no idea. And that's a, that's a totally different sort of condition to put yourself in. Like the first time out to the Everest Challenge, your mind gets... You're, you know, Part of the, sh- the shitty feeling you have on the morning of day two is that your mind was utterly blown apart by day one. Mm-hmm. And so somebody who can rehearse those climbs or maybe who has done the Tour of Mont Blanc as a race mm-hmm. before, they're in a completely different place as, as you are coming from the U.S., never having really seen the terrain except and potentially in video. And, and video. Yeah.
1: yeah, And so I use that video, but I also knew in what you're saying about nine hours in, you don't give a shit. I bunny-hopped the Frost Heave at 35 miles an hour that Jens Voigt wrecked on because I knew it was there, and I bunny-hopped it, and I'm like, I really don't give a shit right now. (laughs) And you're just like, fuck it. I am throwing the horns
3: again, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? <laughs>
1: you know,
2: and because that is a really that's that's an interesting aspect to think about how much energy we can burn being nervous or or, or like the anxiety that's involved in worrying whether we get ditched behind at the very beginning, and how how much we can how, what it is worth to be confident. Like, yeah, wh- what is that worth energy wise? What does it cost you to be? Insecure, and I maybe that's just a a fucking life lesson. Is just asking the question: What does it cost you to be insecure, or to be inaccurately confident?
1: Oh, I think that insecurity and those anxieties cost you. I think even calorically, it costs you a a ridiculous amount of energy. And there's things like, yeah, after doing something like this and going through it, you're like, ah, fuck. I would have bought a better light system. I would have rehearsed it, and I would have dropped it. I would have paid somebody. Seriously, I would have paid somebody, meet me at the base of this hill, and I'm throwing you a light because (sighs) I'm never going to carry this thing again. Mm. But I would have... But an ounce is an ounce. (sighs) Yeah, and you're talking, you know, you're climbing sometimes for hours. Mm -hmm. And so... (sighs) I don't want to drag any unnecessary weight. Well, you can yeah. do
2: the math. Like the pedal strokes involved divided by the ounce. If you take that ounce, how much, much less weight you're moving over 330 kilometers is, is a simple equation to figure that that's a fucking. It seems innocuous, but yeah, when it comes down to it, you would feel every step of the way. You might not be able to differentiate in the moment, but that does matter
0: for sure. It's the lightest light in the world. It, <laughs> it was. It still weighs something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the, the joke that Scott and I had always had flying into the Alaska Range was, yeah, we're getting on a single-engine airplane flying into Cahotan, the Base Camp w- with 400 pounds of the lightest gear known to man. <laughs> like, everything in the bag is the lightest version of that particular thing that exists. It's yeah. still 400 fucking pounds by the time you like end up right. like dragging everything in there. But. So you
2: mentioned this is maybe... Similar subject but this is something we we talk about often, and that is um this you're learning about yourself in a in a manner that allows you to be confident later like your descent down a hill uh in the maybe it's uh I'm keeping the pace with some of the best climbers in my category or the yeah. best people in this sport um that's building confidence this whole time and and a lot of people. I mean, in bike racing, a lot of people don't understand this, but when you see somebody who's shriveled and sinewy, and you can see their rib cage, and you're like, "Man, that guy's fucking that." That's that's pro level stuff. Like he's got hard tan. Like we're looking for, we're looking for the aesthetic that points to the confidence that we want mm-hmm. in, in in any given sport. Like when you see, you know, you could take, you know, a hockey. It has its own look. Whether yep. it's a mullet or not, I don't know. But <laughs> But there, there's looks associated with this, and, and when we get outside our realm, I mean, it comes down to like, why do people like movie characters? Because they not they look good, sure, they're tanned and they're this and they're that and they're muscular, but more often than not, they exert the confidence that we wish we had. And I think this is something that gets overlooked for the shiny bright thing, as opposed to, you no, know, learn how to do the thing that you love. At a level where you can be confident in it. And that sounds like
0: something you developed during a 330-kilometer <laughs> race. <laughs> or, or developed beforehand so yeah. that you could actually go do the thing. Yeah. Do the 330-kilometer race and race for position.
1: Yeah. yeah. And it came from doing races: Everest Challenge, Logan to Jackson, Tour, um, tour of Park City, uh, Hoodoo, all this. Uh, what's that crazy race out in the Midwest? It looks like a sawtooth. Oh, Dairyland! Dairyland, air. Um, it all sits. Every year sits on the previous year. Every experience allows you to dig a little deeper. note, and it's kind of a, in a weird way. It, it becomes a question and answer of safety. Mm-hmm. Of, and I don't mean that like in the physical of getting hurt, but you know, I'm still safe here. I know I can dig deeper because of. The,
0: I've done it before I can I can recover from this whereas if you're that deep and you've never been that deep before you're you are kind of nervous about like man I don't know if this is permanent or not (laughs) yeah and in that I guess
1: I'll touch on this really quick a competitor I don't know if I should mention his name or not Um,
2: come up with a a synonym (laughs) uh, oh
1: fuck it I'll say who he is because he's a bad man he isn't He has the record for the Furnace Creek 508, um, Robert Choi. Oh, right. Um, He, when we were in uh, Hoodoo 500, at one point he tells me not to go so hard because if you go too deep, you can't come back. That to me was like, no, I know I can come back because I've been there before, I've done it before.
0: I had the confidence. Quit projecting, sir. Yeah. <laughs> like, quit telling me about your own limitations. Or no. Oh, thank you for telling me about your own limitations. I'm going to push a little bit harder and drag you into the deep water right now. Yeah, so. I am
1: going to. Now is the time to start. I'm going to put the knife in and I'm going to twist. But you got to admit, his psychological
2: game is of, up there. Like that. Um, that was like, a, oh, I'm getting, I'm getting advice from the man. Yeah. And then you got a question. What you're doing, but you know enough about yourself because you have trained long enough and hard enough that you know where
1: the edges are. Yeah, well, in full disclosure, because I don't pay attention to a lot of things, as you guys know, on on like social media and other aspects. I didn't know who he was until after the fact. Mm. And so I am just thinking this is some random dude. And I'm like, I'm going to stand on your neck. (laughs) Um, it might be 145 yes. pounds, but yeah, it um, might not hurt that bad because I don't weigh that much. But. <laughs> but, but the point being is that, um, I guess sometimes a little bit of ignorance because I hadn't made this guy
0: into a mythical person. Therefore he was easier to compete with. Yeah. It's just a, it's just a man.
1: It's cause. just another guy. Yeah. And I think that's another lesson because we're dealing with a perception problem.
2: Yeah, Like we're dealing with, if I hold this person in a certain regard and I hold myself below him, I'm going to treat his words differently. But if I don't know who he is and I have this sense of capability, then his words can't change my perception.
1: Exactly. Um, It's because then it's just someone trying to... And to me at that moment, he was showing weakness. Mm. If you want to go into the chess game, which is bike racing... And, and then it
0: was already a two-man gig, so I was not... How far into the race did that comment come out?
1: Um, Probably around 100 miles into the first day. Okay. But every, every little hill, every roller, um, even the climb coming out of... Uh, what's the town outside of St. George? I can't... Hurricane. Mm, okay. Um, that one... Every one of those was drilled at above um, threshold. I mean, they were they were hard efforts because maybe I'm not gifted with the sense of self preservation, but <laughs> I because of previous experiences, I, I want to ride this by myself. I did not want a companion. Um, <laughs> And because of this, I I'm just going to attack and attack until I get what I want, or blow up, I guess. Which is you know, <laughs> which is I guess which is I a would... very close second to what you want. <laughs> and because of this attitude of just willing to just keep punching mm. and seeing what people do and that fucking guy is so ridiculously strong uh, and like I have nothing but respect for him I don't want any, anyone who hears this to think otherwise cuz he's a good dude he's a fucking just amazing athlete but I didn't know who he was at the time and, and and how did this uh how did this unweave so he stuck with my wheel stuck with my wheel and then going into what is the park um Outside, sorry, I'm not good with geography. Uh, Southern Union, Zion? Zion, yeah. yeah. There's a long climb in going into Zion that has some nice 10 to probably 15% ramps. Hmm. And I know there's something about those grades that You're I built. can express myself. Yes. <laughs>
3: <laughs> like um, an artist. <laughs> um,
1: and because of that, I knew as soon as... Um, and my support crew told me that this climb, because once again, I don't look at this stuff too much ahead of time. In some ways, I glance at it, but I don't. I don't study maps. I don't mm. look at every little nuance, because if he attacked earlier and I was trying to save to attack mm. there, my pl- if I have plan too much of a, yeah, sometimes too
0: much of a plan is a bad idea. Maybe the only
2: plan is to. Paint the roads with his lung
0: blood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. You know, you're gonna be Jackson Pollock with your. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so when Laura, my
1: wife, and our friend Kevin told me this climb coming up looks steep,
0: I'm like, oh, perfect. Yeah. And, so most people would hear that and go, "Oh uh, shit." Yeah. And well, I'm just like, like "Yeah. <laughs> how do
2: I hold on for dear life?" <laughs> yeah.
1: And you know, so this is 130 miles into a 200 mile to 10 mile day. day yeah. And I drilled it. And uh, and I hold basically above threshold. For, it's probably a good forty-minute climb, thirty-minute climb, oh. and I just, and I'm just like, and I come over the top, sees my support crew, and I know they're sitting there and they're timing for me, and I'm just like, attack this downhill. If you wreck, cool, you, it's <laughs> over. You don't doesn't matter. Go nuts, next climb clon- and when they catch back up they're like you've got 10 minutes and i'm like perfect
0: (laughs) now i get to ride by myself (laughs) and
1: now i get the experience i want of now it's just an individual time trial which you can relate to where Mm. you just i hate to say you're doing math but you kind of know what you can sustain
2: oh there is for sure formulas going on in your head about <laughs> power and distance and grades and, and heart rate you know, and all yeah. of this and
1: you know yeah you're doing the sean kelly calculations. but so but speak. it
2: is more i think it's more relaxing than people think it is when i tell people that i like do math while this stuff like these efforts are going on mm-hmm. i think they think that it's some hectic thing but no. i think that's maybe something that takes off the pressure because i'm like look if i can if i can guess correctly a few segments like i'm going to be here then or i can accurately distribute Mm -hmm. my power uh through this means or for this time or i can get like if i can relax and get my heart rate down therefore i can put more power out that's an advantage eventually but you got to learn that
1: skill yes yeah and so i time trialed my way in i think i finished with Right around 12 minutes ahead, the first day.
0: <laughs> nice. And, so, and the 500 takes place over three days, right? Three days,
1: yeah. Day two, I repeat the same philosophy I had for day one. I start off civilized with him. We're actually talking, and we're friendly. And this is when I discover he's actually a really nice, good guy. At first, there was kind of that weird competitor, passive-aggressive games you play with each other. Day two, we start off very cordial, very cool. It's fun. but it's, And this is a 170-mile day. Oh, I decide God. about 70 miles in going uphill, I've had enough. <laughs> and it's time to go. And I just stomp on it. And once again, right away uphill, long descents through valleys. And then the last, oh shit, 60 miles, I would say of that 60 miles, 55 of it was into a block headwind. Like a 15 mile an hour block, maybe 20 mile an hour gust headwind. You're just suffering
0: and it's hot, it's windy, it's like... Just life being sucked out of you.
1: Yes. And, and
0: uh, by the hot air. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, but, and a lot of that is perception as well. Like
2: uh, the difficulty, it's hard to explain to people why that feels so bad. But if you have enough algorithms that are going through your head, you relate flat speed, this, yeah. and then you know that there's a wind, but you, you can't differentiate the difference between your speed and the wind. Yep. So all you're looking at is I'm not going as fast as I should be. Therefore I'm fatigued. Therefore I feel like shit. Therefore.
1: Yes. And you start playing the, in hmm. the mental thing. Am I cracking? Am I popping? Mm-hmm. And the answer is no, this is just hard. Well, but, but no to some people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, and that's the thing, and I think that's the importance of already have gone, been in similar situations where, you know, I can fight a win for a really long time, even though I'm not
0: built for it. Mm. I'm not Tom Bowman. I can't. Yeah. you. Yes. You're not, maybe not physically built for it, but yes. mentally it's like, oh, there's some spiritual force pressing on my forehead. <laughs> <laughs> Wanting me I, to slow down. I know what to do now <laughs> <laughs>
1: but, you turn the music up that's the only answer <laughs> and, and the beauty is on some of these on that point of the music is on some of these ultra endurance races they don't care if you put in headphones if you're mm. not in a group because no one gives a shit right yeah um but oh and um but yeah so finishing that day, still on my own, still putting more time into this guy, the third day actually is easy because I have a big enough buffer now of twenty some odd minutes that I have put in I'm going to have to totally self sabotage not to win right um so we kind of in the morning he proposes a truce that I will work with him to get him through this faster. I have nothing else of one, two
0: stages. Mm -hmm. I don't need to win the third stage, you know? You're 20 minutes ahead. And if you know that he's like with you, Mm -hmm. you know that those 20 minutes aren't going away.
1: Yeah. And so, and I also knew he would have to attack me because it's the shortest day. It's, uh. I was almost gonna say only 130 miles, <laughs> 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 um, but anyways, and most of the climbing's front loaded. There's a little bit of climb. It's not as bad of a day, yeah. But it's gonna be hot and windy.
0: You're gonna descend into St. George. It's where was third place in relation to him at that point. Was that like a concern for him?
1: It was enough. Of, they were probably within ten minutes of him, so okay. he couldn't. He needed to still push the pace. Yeah, he couldn't rest on his laurel. And you can lose ten minutes in a climb. Oh. Yeah. Really easy, and you, we all know this. Mm-hmm. We've all done it.
2: It's it sucks. It's shocking how fucking slow you can go <laughs> compared to how fast motherfuckers can go. Like there, there was a. Uh, not to take away from this event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, there was the Suncrest Hill climb that Nate Pack did. And, it, okay, we, we weigh about the same at the time. I think he was like about 190, and I was about 190. Mm-hmm. And, and so I'd like, how, he puts out way more power than I do. So I know he's going to win. Yeah. I didn't know he would fucking win by that much. Like, how <laughs> did he find seven minutes on that climb? On a yeah. three mile climb? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is. Fucking insane to me. So you, you're right. In a three miles, I lost seven minutes to somebody yeah. that I wear similar to who just puts way more
0: power out than I do. Yeah, Fucking and nuts. So yeah, and so he had to pay attention still on day three, and and having a companion yeah. with whom to work would only be helpful for sure. Yeah. yeah. So that's cool. Yeah, and that's when I
1: discovered like what a truly good dude that guy is, and like. Yeah, and so I felt bad. Actually, this sounds funny, but after the race, this lady walks up to me, and she looks heartbroken. She's like, you're the one who beat Robert Choi. <laughs> and there's this reverence, and, and I realized like she'd put this person on this pedestal, and I still really didn't have a grasp who he was yet. And I'm like, yeah, and, and I was... But I realized what you were saying earlier. When you start putting people on an elevated level, you're already... They already beat you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I know she's not in the same category as he is, but she's made him into a mythical person hmm. and almost cut herself off at the knees. Hmm. <sighs>
0: I, I don't even know like what to say there <laughs> just the but that, but that idea of like yeah I, but that's just this race yeah like uh, it could go any other race any other day it could have gone if it was the 508 a, a different yeah exactly uh I yeah I don't
1: know because then they quit allowing the 508 to happen
0: oh is that, that thing's
1: done huh that's what i heard i Someone else better Google that and check yeah. it out. But
2: <laughs> So if, I can just point something out that um, fascinates me okay. right now. Um, <laughs> the fact that um, anybody that listens to this that is thinking how cool it'd be to win something, you have not talked about the, it, it. Like, I just assume you won, right? Yeah. But that, the, the experience and the things that, that hung closely were, were this bond with this person, the fight with yourself, the fight, the advantages, the perception. Yeah. The idea of what you walked away with that was not a trophy. And so when people are like, man, that'd be cool to be the winner of things. Or they think that being a champion or winning stuff has something inherently to do with the reward. Yeah. I think they should re-listen to you explain that story and understand what was so rewarding about your experience winning something was not the win.
1: No, the winning honestly I don't want to sound arrogant. Mm-hmm. I think it lasts thirty minutes. Maybe. Feel Maybe good thir- for about thirty minutes. I felt yeah, a little bit high for thirty minutes
2: you felt miserable for three fucking days and for 30 minutes I yeah <laughs> it, 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 no, me, no, no I, no
0: no no you 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 don't subtract the hours and hours of training oh, the, oh, oh. and not all of them would have been miserable obviously oh, sure. yeah, okay. yeah, like yeah, there yeah. would have been a, you know there's there, there's there's more and i and i think and Sean, you and i have talked about this before is like at the end of these long efforts like this you know yeah you okay I'd, i mean certainly in the mountains there's no trophy it's like wow we got away with it mm-hmm. but there's this The the reward, yeah, okay, 30 minutes, maybe there's like a little bit of a high feeling, but then there's like a seriously over-emotional state where you cry at fucking TV commercials, Mm -hmm. if you watch TV, Um, Mm -hmm. for days afterwards because you are just so emotionally spent. Like you have no barrier between you and the world and any kind of stimulus. And that was the thing for me that, that I took away from these long efforts. The 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 most powerful sort of feeling is that of just being like, wow, I'm really susceptible to everything now for this period of time until I can recover and like kind of put my armor back on.
2: Yeah, that's not a thing that many people talk about, but there is an empathic consequence to like stripping yourself down to the bear. Oh, yeah. I,
1: I actually think in a weird way. Um. It's probably one of the most honest times because, like Mark said, you truly are feeling everything to its true depth. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think some artists can probably feel that way. Some, Mm -hmm. you know, very empathic people Mm -hmm. can feel things that way. But most of us, we've built up all these fucking walls. We've constructed all these nice narratives that we keep, telling ourselves and when you've stripped all that stuff down i think you know only the right hemisphere of your brain is allowed to express itself because there's no more narrative to tell yourself and so yeah you listen to a brent best cd and you fucking ball your eyes out Mm -hmm. and it's um yeah you know it's experiences like that um, you actually truly feel love for the people in your life and everyone says, Oh, I love the people in my life but you feel it on a more profound way. And, but there's also this other side, anger is more searing. Like oh and, oh, it, and closer to the surface.
0: Yeah. It, <laughs> Potentially. Yeah.
2: That um I have this this uh I don't thing about Indifferent. That's not to excuse my own anger and spite, <laughs> but I do think there is something. <laughs> there's ben- no excuse. There, there's something really beneficial from trying to actually sit dead center of almost all emotions. And I think the bike brings out the importance of that center or the training for racing and endurance brings out the importance of that center. Because it, in order to feel like what you describe as true empathy or true love for mm-hmm. things that are in your life, you also have to have the the contextual side of it, of being able to express anger, not in an uh, illogical way, but as the opposing side to how good love can feel, that's how powerful anger can be. And in a bike race, I think both things happen. I think you are so angry at yourself for not preparing correctly when things mm-hmm. happen, or you're so angry at yourself for not being able to do what you know you're capable of. Yep. Or you get tricked by your own perception. Or, and this is, most anger is self-directed.
0: And and if ego prevents you from actually directing it yourself, you direct it outward, and then then you're an asshole. Then you're a dick, yeah. Yeah. And and I think that's where people pick up the
2: misconception when I say, like, yeah, I'm an angry person. Most of it is 100% self-directed. I mean, there's the 5% on the internet that is fun to direct at other people.
0: <laughs> but, but I think that's an interesting perspective right there of, of you can say, oh, I'm, I'm angry. And, pe- and the assumption is that um, it's at external things as people or events or whatever circumstances outside. I'm mad at this, this. Mm-hmm. And, that. And, and, and what the, um, the reality is, is that if you have taken sort of charge of your life um, to, to a certain, to a certain extent, then there, you don't get to be angry at the circumstances outside or, or the people outside because you have made those choices. And so therefore the anger is directed at those decisions, at your inability, um, mm-hmm. to, to, to maybe it, maybe it's even on, it, uh, angry at my inability to express love appropriately mm-hmm. within a, you know, particular relationship or whatever. But that, but I th- I think you're right. It, it, the, the, the self-actualized person or the evolved, per, you know, whatever is it, when anger does occur, it's, you know, it, it's at one's self versus at circumstances within which they find themselves. It But again, I think it's okay. This is, I, I've put myself in these situations. I've, I've made decisions that have brought me to where I am. Like this was me and yeah. Okay. You get, you know, a bus hits you or whatever. Yeah. You can kind of be, you know you, you still were walking in the street, I mean, made that choice
2: yeah there's a well, there's definitely an accountability thing that gets glossed over which which bike racing <laughs> illuminates perfectly yes because there is fate, and there is like, oh shit, I hit the rock that somebody kicked up and put in my way, mm-hmm. but you also didn't respond correctly or you didn't you didn't give yourself enough distance or enough leeway or enough this and I think that's where most of the anger comes from is actually not just like this hatred, but it's more or less a frustration with your own actions or a frustration of your expectations of other people's actions. So even the external hatred or anger towards somebody else, I think most times is just, man, I'm frustrated that I didn't expect that person to act that way or complete love for the fact that you like, I was expecting this person to be a dick. And when they weren't now I can appreciate and have love for somebody that acted Uh, Above my expectations of human nature.
1: Yeah, it's, I think it's, yeah, it's actually compassion. Mm. Because you end up having compassion for these people. Even in something as benign as bike racing.
2: So maybe this is like a bad time. No, it's not a bad time to bring this up. But (laughs) it's never a bad time. Okay. Because people will let, like, a lot of this sounds like, um, you know, somebody who hasn't experienced this, their, their first reaction might be that uh, we're over emphasizing, like we're glorifying or romanticizing the act of suffering, which brings me to the question is like, why is it useful to suffer? Like, why is that? Why, why the fuck do we do all this stuff? Why is doing these journeys, these bike races, this training, this, this idea of putting ourselves in an uncomfortable position? What is that? what has that done for us? Like, what have these races done for you that has led that just doesn't make you a trophy winner or a champion or a, a breadwinner of sorts?
1: Yeah. Huh? That's a, you know, it's an interesting question. Yeah. Cause it's really easy, especially in a sport like cycling to aggrandize suffering. Mm. I mean, in fact, I get a little tired of hearing about, Oh, I suffered. It was so epic. And blah, blah. blah. No, sorry. Even an eighteen-hour bike ride, or race, is still a fucking bike ride.
2: So, so I think we should clarify because this is no, 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 no. no, no. I'm sorry.
0: Okay. okay, I'll just put an asterisk by this when so we come back. Yes, um, can we come back to it. Is you're during that eighteen-hour ride, yes. which was actually a race, <laughs> there were some um, hallucinations that occurred. Yes. Yeah. So you get, we're going to come back to that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but yeah. but, no, but but please go on with the. Well, so uh, <laughs> I mean, there, <laughs> you mean you didn't hallucinate the suffering? No, okay. I,
2: I, the uh, I, I think that well, first we have to make a distinction because okay. um, the, the human ambition and humanity and humanitarianism is usually about relieving suffering of human beings, and I think okay that that is something that human beings have. Probably in the last hundred years, gotten really good at doing. But uh-huh. th- what they're talking about is relieving uh, involuntary suffering. Like the, it, and I don't know, most people conclude that in, involuntary suffering is bad and voluntary suffering can lead to good things. But I also think that can't be correct because I cannot logically, in my own, like whatever you want to describe as my will to suffer, I cannot. Um, I can't be in control of the suffering for it to be useful. Yeah. But the best thing be is
0: like the voluntary suffering that, okay, I'm going to go and have this experience and hopefully I'll be transformed or I'll, I will, you know, finally tune my sensitivity or whatever objective I want to come out of this voluntary suffering. You can make it stop exactly and so when we talk about involuntary suffering i think that's the the the, the, you know the difference is that the person in that case who is suffering or the group of people that is that are suffering um they they, there is nothing within their power hence the involuntary part of it um that that there's no off switch like this is just how it is and it's going to continue to be this miserable and and yet if i could have a you know if I wasn't so hungry that I could consider the concept of existentialism, um, <laughs> you know, I might develop some kind of relationship and, you know, uh, uh, um, with the, this suffering and, and become a better human being for it. But I think this whole idea of volunteer, yeah, I'm gonna put myself in this situation and it's gonna be really, you know, uh, it, it, if, you know, past experience has any indication, mm-hmm. this will be an incredibly powerful experience um, and transformative. And I may not, you know, I'm probably not going to enjoy it. Otherwise, it wouldn't be called suffering. But there will, it, you know, everything ends. Yeah. And I think that actually, the impermanence
1: of that maybe is applicable, especially, in, let's say, in the Western world, where most suffering arguably is self-imposed. It, mm-hmm. Whether... You cling to pleasure too much or your fear of pain is too much. It causes you to suffer emotionally on some fucking level And so if you you could extrapolate this out saying that maybe by doing these long I hate this fucking term suffer fests or whatever (laughs) Fucking jerk off term
0: you want to use tm yeah (laughs) that supper is trademarked i think oh oh shit sorry yeah Yeah, you 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 owe owe someone now i owe someone money (laughs) Fuck shit
2: (laughs) um but we should we just start playing edm now and then talk about (laughs) us yeah well i think there does need to be a distinction between like uh, this uh, well maybe there is no distinction because it can be helpful Suffering legitimately has to do with some, some kind of confrontation with mortality. And you can suffer with cancer. You can suffer yes. with disease. You can suffer physically. You can suffer torment and torture and hunger. and All these human plights are a variation of suffering. Um, but there's something, vol- there's something absolutely different about calling it suffering and in the back of your head knowing, like, I'm doing this to myself. But even
1: in those other situations, I think if you've learned from choosing to suffer, and let's say we'll ta- keep talking about this race, you've chosen to suffer, but I think it's applicable in other aspects of your life, you realize it's going to end. Everything is impermanent. So even... um. And I don't want this to sound flippant, but even something like cancer. And I just, as you guys know, lost my dad to cancer. Mm -hmm. He knew his suffering was going to end. Now, it's not going to end the way he might have wanted it to end, but he knew it was. He wasn't standing on the podium. Yes. And that's over. But... That said, it still teaches you that everything is impermanent. Everything will end. And so if you don't aggrandize it and you don't avoid it, you can remind yourself, this is just going to fucking end. But once your attachment to it takes on another level, you're fucked. (laughs) <laughs> and, and I mean, and I, and
0: I think a lot of times by sort of by aggr- aggrandizing it um, or, you know, or, or, or embellishing after the fact yeah, in some yeah. way, you make it harder to do the next time. Well, like if, if if part of the whole thing about like, oh, I went and did the suffer, the suffer fest or yeah. whatever it is, you know, Definitely. and I got right. through it and then, you know, and then... Um, And then you blow it up, you know, blow it out of proportion in relationship to whatever audience you need to sort of validate your existence, Um, then it then. it becomes harder the next time. Whereas if you, okay, I have actually had an honest relationship with my experience afterwards. I didn't talk it up too much. I didn't make it anything other than what it was. I mean like, wow, I did this thing. I dug really deep. It was pretty fucking awful for a while mm-hmm. and it was awful for some days afterwards to sort of, you know, be in that recovery phase. And then, and then the withdrawal happened and the, that was pretty bad too. But, um, but I got through it. I got through all of those things. Therefore, like I should try something harder next time is seems to be the... Um, That's been the, my the, pattern. The, the pattern, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, So there's, yeah, when you put it in perspective, maybe this suffering that we're describing is on a spectrum. And yeah. I think what you're describing is well, honest assessment, like an accurate assessment of the kind of pain you are tolerating. Um, because we all do it on accident in order to... Um, create narrative or to embellish our own heroic desire or whatever this is. Um, and, and if we put it in context of like, okay, we're in a gym and I'm doing a very hard workout and it lasted 30 minutes and I sweat and my hand got a boo-boo on it. And okay. After when I'm telling my bro about it, dude, it was the worst thing. It was so bad. I just, and we all fall <laughs> into the trap. I'm not saying I'm immune to it because sometimes some things in the moment feel so fucking terrible. They and you but, can make the gym feel really bad, but it, but in the context of the gym, mm. you know, it's going to be over in 11 Ex- minutes exa- on average, on average, exactly. And and then we can go to the next spot. Okay. A crit racing, is 45 minutes and, and we're looking, you know, and then we go to road racing and stage racing is multi-day. And then you have
0: these fucking ridiculous things that you're doing. and Which, which is a beautiful thing about that four horseman event. It's like, it's open-ended, you know, it's yeah, going to be yeah, more than yeah. this, but probably less than this which probably changes the perspective
2: of the suffering itself which makes it it makes the accurate assessment so much more important because you can test this even in a gym like I, I would advise people do this and I've messed with this a little bit of um, put a timer on a workout it's going to end in 20 minutes and then do the workout and see how bad you can make it then come up with a complex where you have no idea what the time domain would be. And it like measure the suffering against it, itself. It could be similar, it could be a, a same ending point, it could be an identical time, but the not
0: knowing is suffering in itself. And if we don't know, yeah, I mean, we it, suffer. I mean, now you're talking about the going into the unknown, mm-hmm. which is what I think is a great thing about the Four Horsemen yeah. deal is you, yeah. you, you have a general idea of, Okay, how many nails in the coffin? I don't know exactly, but it is going to get nailed shut. And this- um, (laughs) Pestilence, I'm going for pestilence. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) and and an idea, I mean, you know, for me in the mountains is, was, okay, you're going up on a new route. It's the, 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 the psychological, the uncertainty weighs a hell of a lot more. And yeah, you can maybe accurately predict as one could do in the gym if they're you know familiar enough with these types of efforts. Um, so you can you can ha- have an idea generally of how something might go, but it's but it is you don't know it's going to be over. It's not a crit. It's not going to be over in exactly forty five minutes, or it's not going to be okay. There's a time cap, and it's going to be done. And yeah, you can make it as you know as bad as possible but but the 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 uncertainty the unknown is the thing that weighs the I think the most going into any of these type of events and it's the thing that most people avoid and even consciously so Mm. yeah and on that topic that
1: the race director told me um at a certain point he was like do you know how many emails I got people asking me all the details, he goes, you're like the only person that didn't send me email asking me, you know, <laughs> trying to get clues and hints. And and I told him that in a strange way, I didn't want to know. I knew it was going to be fucking hard and shitty. But it after that, after you've wrapped your head around, this is going to be the, probably my longest day on the bike. Okay, I don't know what that looks like. And I'm not gonna lie; I thought it'd be about 12 hours. <laughs> um, I don't know if we touched on this earlier, but it ended up being 18 and a half hours, a little more than that. Um, and how many miles? If I rec- it's 270 270 or something 278, yeah. 273. So this is four horsemen. Yeah. Um, 30,000 <laughs> feet of climbing. My Garmin quit working. Um at 220 miles i think
0: oh jesus Well, you race was so long you ran out of batteries for your bike computer yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah it was so
1: hindsight if i was going to do that i cannot buy another garmin so, so i have two <laughs> so going, yeah because it has to count for strava or yeah. not that jerk off things <laughs> or it doesn't matter the well, masturbatory yeah
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah thank you obligatory masturbatory practices (laughs) getting data i so you you had an idea obviously this is a big one so you knew it'd be long you knew there would be lots of climbing yeah um but it was what 30 percent 25 percent more somewhere between yeah yeah it was it was
1: six hours longer than i thought it would take me to do like i didn't know the distance obviously but i was like how bad I, can it be? How Exactly. Be? And I was like, I've done Logan to Jackson. At that time, that was the longest
0: thing I've done. And Logan Jackson's two what? Uh, 206. Yeah. On that course. You know. And but it's fast. It's only 7,000 feet of climbing and you're done in just what, nine, nine 920 or something. Yeah. Was, um, it, yeah you know, and I was like, but the thing is like when you, you go into something like that, it's, it's just, you ask yourself the question, how, how, how hard could it possibly be? Well, the answer is it can only be as hard as you can imagine. It will be. Yeah. And so uh, like in that moment, like you can't, you can't put, you wrap your head around anything that you can't wrap your head around. It's yeah. Stupid it, as that sounds.
1: Yeah. And if you don't have the experience, you don't have the vocabulary. Yes. <sighs> and, and once you don't have that, In a weird way, it's liberating because now you don't have to, well, I don't know. And because I don't know, it doesn't fucking matter. And if you can disconnect yourself that way, I, for some reason, have that ability to just be like, I don't know. So let's go for it and let's find out. Let's try it. And um, maybe this is lack of self-preservation again. I don't know. Um, (laughs) You know, so... but going into it, I tried to be smart. I tried to think of things that, like we were talking about
0: earlier, prep-wise, that maybe you wouldn't think of extra shorts. Um, and fueling yourself in some, on something like that, did you, I mean, obviously for these long races, you've done enough of them that beforehand that you had a strategy going in I, of some kind. And- yeah, I had a strategy, and I know what works well. Like solid food does not work
1: well going uphill. Mm. I just want to barf on myself or I'll feel bloat, um, but I know I can shove a lot of food in my mouth while going downhill, time to eat. Flavor fatigue becomes an issue, a lot of people... So, you know, like, okay, I'm going to make little sandwiches that taste this way. I'm going to have things I know I like. Um, at one point, this the guy who puts on, put on this event was really cool. Um, I was like, I want a Coca-Cola. Hell yeah. And he drives up to me at a certain point because I'm so far ahead of everyone else. I guess we might need to back up a yeah. bit and tell the whole story. But I'll <laughs> we'll get through. Quentin Tarantino it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. He pulls up next to me and goes, do you need anything? And I had been thinking about a Coca-Cola I'm not lying for probably 5
0: miles. Okay, were you being chased by a large Coca-Cola can, <laughs> <laughs> you know, was it no, that, no, that not far that, into the race or No, no, this <laughs> <Okay>. is ah. <laughs> this is still
1: probably 160 miles. And this guy, I can mean, he rules cuz he next thing I know, his little van drives by and he's standing on the side of the road and he hands me a fucking Coke coke and it was the most glorious thing i've ever tasted in my life um and you're like yay and but that going back back to the fueling thing that becomes an issue and knowing things that you will eat when you don't want to eat but you don't know what's coming up next yeah so you're trying to do math of what can i tolerate what won't i tolerate
0: and (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And what, what am I going to get sick of and what could possibly give me an issue is if I have, you know, how much water do I need to make sure that I have remaining in order to eat this particular snack? Like, can I do this with less water? You know, is there, is there a snack in my other Jersey pocket that mm-hmm. I can get down? Cause when I've run out of water, but I still need the calories. I mean, there's a, like, there's a certainly a whole sort of hygiene and planning kind of thing that goes with that, that you, that you learn, you know, by way of process.
2: So you're mentioning like this, a uh, well, I love, there's nothing that feels better than Coca-Cola on a bike. I don't know what, well, I think it's the Tang, the weird, whatever the cold thing is. So we're <laughs> talking about, you know, tangible, logical, um, uh, ways to sustain these really hard efforts. Yeah, But there's like, It came up in my my thought. The uh, the ethereal realm is also very important. And you mentioned hallucinations, and it reminded me of that Yuri Robic guy who has like the five time record for Race Across America. Yeah, and he had this. uh, He has by no means a talent. Like when they measure him in a lab and they do all the numbers, there is absolutely nothing phenomenal about him. But there's a point to which his team knows this that he gets so deep. And he goes so long without food or like rest that his brain kicks over and he starts hallucinating that he's being chased by terrorists. And when they put him in the state in a lab, his power output goes up by, like, 30%. And his ability to sustain that effort, like, just draw... So they try to get him to this hallucinatory effect faster and faster.
0: Yes. It's the Taliban this time, (laughs) and they're close. You need... Like, if that's what your road crew, like, the people who are supposed to be helping you, and they're just...
2: Dude, I'd go live action, just AK forty seven out of
0: the back of a van. <laughs> chut, 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 chut. Certain states in the West, that'd be totally reasonable. <laughs> yes, <laughs> through Texas, they'd appreciate it. it. Exactly, they go yeah. guy, guy'd go by and be like, AK, yeah, right yeah. on. Thorn. Actually, you got to be
2: careful. They would yeah. probably start hunting your road crew if yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you're pretending be. to be a terrorist.
1: Yeah. It, well that could be an interesting thing like in road crew you have to be careful with that too but that's another issue but sometimes it's worth paying people i'm gonna say that well
0: that's (laughs) actually my um my buddy ed who we were talking about earlier when he was doing the 24-hour mountain bike races he got and and he and i was talking strategy with him because i had this i'm just like how the fuck do you and and that was one of his top things was you pay your pit crew Mm mm-hmm Because you don't want to have anybody with whom you have a personal relationship because (sighs) at 12 hours, you're going to be a shitty human being. 18 hours into it, you might be even shittier. And so you can go ahead and yell at them and they're just, you know, you're just like, sorry, dude, you're making 50 bucks an hour or whatever, (laughs) or or 10, you know, whatever, but you're still getting paid. And so that's the nature of the relationship, which gives you some freedom to maybe blow off some steam or express yourself in a certain way.
1: Yeah, because yeah back on that so you wouldn't real quick
0: that you wouldn't have to pay for later yes in your (laughs) with your wife (laughs) yeah
1: and when my wife has crude for me i it really takes a lot of restraint and when you're that margin's so thin already it's so hard but you also know there will be consequences for what's said, so <laughs> try not to be an asshole. Yeah, that might be a good life philosophy in general. <laughs> Don't be an asshole
0: because there will be consequences. Oh, 100%. <laughs> so,
2: that's f- f- so uh, back us up on the yeah, on yeah, the four horsemen and explain. So, how that race four
1: worked. horsemen, um, you start, finish, same hotel, you go out, the guy starts you. He reads a little passage out of the Bible. How many, how many people? Um, there weren't many. Okay. A I passage.
2: Mean, is this like Old Testament? Like yes. No, no, were, no. Well,
1: where? No, it's don't out ask of, Sean. Um, he's
2: unfamiliar with various versions. Yeah. Oh, I was thinking it was like it would start ominously with like, oh, revel, okay. Yeah. Oh, with the whole forest. But I was thinking yeah. it would be
1: like, and you will eat the flesh of your sons. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> it, was like, it was out of Revelations. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so then he hands cue cards out we get, and part of it's actually on the s- parts of the same course of the Everest challenge so there was a bit of familiarity it comes and goes but the first climb is the climb up to um Old Bristol Cone Oh climb? Bristol Cone Forest yeah. yeah and but you keep going up that yeah and you there's a dirt section of some of the oh, worst nice. dirt roads. It's, it's fucking
0: washboard city
1: up yes. there, if I remember. Yeah. yeah. And um So me and this one guy, right off the bat, we just we drop the hammer on everyone else and <laughs> And once again, drop the hammer on the first climb of an unknown distance race. Yes. Oh, hang on. This gets better. Fuck
2: yes. <laughs> Michael throws the yes. horns. I got some horns for you. Yeah.
1: So, him and I, we go hard. We're coming. When we turn around, and we start descending. Him and I make a deal that when we get back to the hotel, get our next set of cards, we will work together on the flats, we'll stay together. And then, if shit goes sideways on the hill, let the better man win. But when we can work together, we will work together, descents, flats. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and I told him, I'm changing shorts. And he looked at me weird, but we'll see in a minute why. And so I do my quick change of shorts and shoes and socks. Um, We get back on, get our cue cards, get back on our bikes, start riding towards Bishop. Um, do the climb? It's the last. So I, I I um I missed how the the
2: race organization. So they the the cue cards are. You can meet back at this one point, and then they give you a direction to go in the opposite direction. Or yeah, so another out, loop. And, okay, okay. Or an gotcha. out
1: and a loop, or an out and back. And how many of these per day, or is this just one? This is one, one day. You and you end up at the hotel four times. Oh, okay, okay. Hence another plan. Yeah. Instead four of day, morning. I meant how many visits to the. Yeah. Because it's
2: one single, one single event.
1: One multi, single. Okay. Yeah. It's you're staying up as long as this takes, as long <laughs> as you keep. And so, the deal is, and the, and one of the reasons why the the time cutoffs are so strict is because the people running support, because there was neutral support for this, which. In hindsight, the race director, this was a huge mistake on his part, because and that's why the because the the aid stations are leapfrogging the riders to try to keep ahead mm. of us. Right, right, right. This becomes a problem on the second part of this, mm. the second horseman, so to speak, <laughs> <laughs> um, um, because me and this other guy, we get out so far f- in front of everyone else that the aid stations are waiting still for the people who are on the first stage of this race. Oh, they're, they're still on uh, the first cause loop. Because they're, they're too split up. Like we're a, too there's... spread out now. And so we're climbing up. It's the last climb of the first day of the Everest Challenge. I can't remember. What's the name of that lake up there? Um, South Lake? South Lake, Yeah. So we're climbing up towards the, and it's a godforsaken climb. There's stretches of it where you literally can see three miles up a straight road. Up being the operative term. (laughs) Yeah. uh, So you're just looking up this road. It's hot. It's got this weird dry desert air. We're going up. We're now 70 plus miles into this day. And I all of a sudden, and we're still working together because it's only 4% grade at that it's not super steep so working actually helps um finally the race director catches up and he's kind of our support guy and he gives us water and stuff (laughs) and we continue on and i notice this guy's not taking his turn in front (laughs) and it doesn't take me very long to be like i'm just gonna lift the pace and see what happens i mean it's not like a full-on attack Mm -mm. But it's the difference between riding it and maybe 10 miles an hour going uphill to maybe pushing it up to 10 or or like 11. you know it's not a huge effort but i'm curious what happens and i gap him and as soon as i gap him foot's on the floor and i
0: just monkey brain comes out
1: yeah (laughs) Yeah. and i sense weakness yeah and i just drop the hammer and i go and and I go deep. And this is, that moment there is when, in hindsight, I realize, like, you can go deep and you can recover. And you, you can do this multiple times. And I drop the with hammer. With an adequate base. Yes with, an, <laughs> yes, with a very large volume. Um, and so I drop the hammer and I just go. Summit South Lake, drop back down, and then you do this other weird climb that's kind of an offshoot of that one. And my whole thing is just put more time in. Put more time. The descents in you know, you guys have both ridden with me. If we're out on a training ride, I'm a mellow descender. I just kinda float down the hill. I don't really give a shit. No, I'm coming out of these corners like a crit race. Bombing. Yeah, like sprinting out of each corner. Get to the base now. I have to do that weird false flat drag across the Owens Valley because we're basically doing the first day of the Everest Challenge in reverse now. (laughs) 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 And but and
0: um, going across, so after South, like did you go go up Pine Creek or yeah, we go okay, and then. Yes. Whatever that um, mosquito flats or whatever yes. the. Yes. Okay. Yes. Sweet. E, yeah. <laughs> it,
1: it's bad. It's a lot Sweet. of the Everest challenge <laughs> and a few other bonuses. Yeah. And there's a lot of these weird little hills that he had added on so you can loop back to the hotel and all this other shit. So there's a lot more of these like insignificant climbs that aren't insignificant, like five mile long little. Oh, shit yeah um the they just suck, but they're not like they don't feel like a real climb yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah compared to the six thousand foot climb up to mosquito flats. yeah, exactly.
1: Is, so. um around this point, um race director comes up to me in his van and he tells me, guy who is in second place has dropped out
3: Whoa.
1: and I have an hour on second place. <laughs>
0: on on the new second place. On the new second place, I have an hour on them. Wait, you just mentally killed that guy and he dropped out of this thing that he had been preparing for for the last six months. So
2: that's what I was gonna mention because it, as soon as you, you said you created a gap I, and you said like, I just gotta put more time in, more time. I go, my first thought is like, actually you don't. He's gonna put time into himself because the second that gap opened up, he felt the difference and he will slow himself down. And this, this, we've used this strategy before. I mean, no,
0: no, you've
2: used it on me. (laughs) uh, (laughs) So, well, so we have, um, I recognize this as a, uh, because I'm not a good climber. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, just not built for it. And we, I think it was the first climb that we did with Jamie in Bulgaria. Mm. And, uh, uh, you know kid he's just starting to ride a bike yeah but he's small and he he's is tiny an insane athlete yes, like just yes. like through soccer through jiu-jitsu anything that kid does he's good so while he's new i want to fuck him up
0: because kind of <laughs> that's my thought like, pecking order right now yeah, just yeah, yeah, in yeah, case dominant dog.
2: and if i have good foresight i know and i was right that kid can fucking ride now mm-hmm. um but on the day, so in Bulgaria, we're riding with him, and we're we're going around these switchbacks and kind of these blind spots, and I start to know like, none of us know where we're going really. We just know that there the hill will end eventually, or we'll be in space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I decide like I'm gonna break his little heart. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we're riding at the same speed, but I'm just have a little bit of a gap, and as I turn the corner, I punch it. And then that way, when he turns the gap, I've opened up a little bit of space. But now we're riding the same speed mm-hmm. because I've slowed down. Yeah. But then the next corner comes, and I punch it as, and get a little as bit soon of gap. As he
0: Basically, as soon as he couldn't see you anymore, right. yep. you accelerate, yeah. create more distance, and then go back to the... So
2: um, in his head, it's just I'm going, 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 going. And yeah. then that phew, snaps the rubber band, and now there's no chance of it. And so it's interesting to... like. Now that I know that that concept exists and you know how easily, well,
0: how perceptible people are to, uh, if you're 10 feet ahead, when I come around the corner, it it's noticeable yeah i notice every inch and i yeah. know uh,
2: and and that reflects back on like god i'm just pushing so hard and he's just gaining on me with ease mm-hmm. and that ease that that difference i think is so powerful psychologically so i imagine when you punched it your le- your one mile per hour increase and yeah. that snapped it he snapped completely
3: which is y- interesting y- yeah in hindsight
1: yeah i think that's the case mm. but in my head the narrative i was writing for myself was based on fear. They are coming to get me. Mm. They are chasing me down. Mm. They, there is, cause he told me second and third were working well together. He, he did the race director, the said race that. director told me that I don't think he did it maliciously. I think he was, he was actually trying to be positive. Like, Hey, these guys are, cause he wanted people to have kind of a transformative experience. <laughs> I, but what a fine gentleman. <laughs> yeah well
2: I, I think he would be a friend of ours <laughs> <laughs>
1: but what i heard was they're working together they're coming to get you you need and i this is and it's weird it's based on fear so i just kept it going and just kept pushing and pushing and every now and then he would drop you know he come back up to me offer me whatever i need and give me a split And then it's two hours whoa and it gets so at the last time at the hotel he told me you have two plus hours on them gives me the cue card take a nap yeah, actually, make it a race. Yeah, he said, <laughs> if you need to, you can take a nap. And I'm like, if I take a nap, I'm never getting I'm back n- up. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I am. I am sleeping the rest of my existence. Um, once these shorts come off, yeah. <laughs> this time they're staying <laughs> off. Yeah, and so once again, clean shirt. You know the same routine. But we start going, and now it's it's night, and start climbing Death Valley Road. Um, <laughs> And this is the part Mark alluded to earlier. And there's probably a few things I'm leaving out of this story, but um, you know, you start seeing animals on the road that you question. Like, at one time, a giant jackrabbit jumps in front of me and across the road. And, like, you feel that your heart rate jump and everything. I still, to this day, am not 100% sure that rabbit actually existed. (laughs) There's snakes. Like I said,
0: you don't have to do drugs to have this experience. (laughs) (laughs) Except you can, with drugs, you can get there quicker. Yeah, you don't need... (laughs) You don't need
2: three pairs of shorts. Yeah. And it probably isn't a... It's probably a jackalope.
3: Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Either way, it's probably a little more interesting. Yeah. You know, there's snakes and mice and lizards running across the road. Like I said, you're
0: out of your fucking head and you're not exactly sure on um, so are are you swerving to avoid said um mythical or you know <laughs> uh, maybe in, in non-existent or existent creature? like i don't know yes yeah but I, or are you so
2: aggressive that you're aiming directly no, for no. <laughs> roadkill
1: because i'm also afraid now because i know i'm fried physically every like you know, you hear people say everything hurt, like <laughs> things hurt, like your hands and wrists and elbows just ache. Like, obviously, everyone's like, oh, I bet your ass really hurt. Oh, yeah, of course it did. But like, um, <laughs> but, but the weird things, the weird things, so like, yeah, you're, you're, you're you wouldn't think fingernails. <laughs> yes. Fingernails. <laughs> um, Yeah, you're just your whole body is just aching in this deep seated it feels like you have a fever like that kind of deep seated
3: ache
2: yeah that was a ride that i did in hot weather one time and it was longer it was like in the four or five hour and i remember the salt crusting on my face and i swear i could feel the salt cut my face and for i was like i have to get the salt off my face like it was just a completely (laughs) illogical thing but it was so uncomfortable that i was like this has to change immediately and that's Something that I tell people all the time is like that's your brain fucking with you. Like that is your brain telling you to fucking stop what you're doing and sleep
1: or just quit altogether. Yep. And that was the that was the game that ended up being played and you're just like, How long is this fucking and this is not a hard climb in the grand scheme of climbing.
0: It's it's long. Death Alley Road, that's the second climb on yeah. day day two. Yeah. So yeah.
1: It's of the, the Everest Challenge. Yeah, yeah, so it's what like four to eight percent, like nothing, yeah. nothing crazy. You know, if you if it was the only climb you're doing that day, you could big ring it. You could, yeah, you'd big ring it for sure. Yeah. yeah, like if it was like you're going out for a hard workout, totally big ring climb. Mm-hmm. I guarantee, I was in my <laughs> thirty nine twenty five, and by the way, that was the gearing I
0: used. Like I, I, I wasn't gonna bring that up. I'm like, wait, you. Didn't ride a compact. Huh. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> I, I would have had a mountain bike talk on that <laughs> <it> motherfucker. <laughs>
2: like, triple. <laughs> yeah, a a <good> triple rig.
1: <laughs> yeah, so, but that's what I trained with. Or yeah. I did at the time. Now yeah. I've kind of decided maybe saving my knees might be a good idea. But that That's where I was. That's yeah. what I used. I wasn't, and that mm-hmm. was my race bike. That was my setup. Yeah. And why change? And, it, and it's a race, therefore? I ride my <laughs> race bike. I don't ride the backup bike on my, or my training bike. Uh-huh. I ride my race bike. Of course. And, yeah. um, oh, I, I was out of my head. And when we get to the top and the race director, um, he's like, it's over. And I'm like, what do you mean it's over? He's like, you just crossed the finish line because we'd summoned death Valley road. Oh, are you serious? <laughs> and, just, it, and it just was like, like a... such, it wasn't a letdown. Like I was so relieved it was over, but yeah. I was like, you know, this is 18
0: and a half hours. In. Wait, it's, it's over. Do I get in the van or do I have to ride back to the hotel? Cause like, yeah, the race if, ends and you're out in fucking death Valley. <laughs>
2: yeah. If it's over, I'm falling down and <laughs> making you pick me up. Off yeah. Of the pavement.
0: It, 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 and he's just totally sweet guy.
1: He, and he's like, Let me take your bike. And he puts my bike in the van. And he goes, I might shuttle those other guys back. But there should be a a reward for winning.
2: Whoa. (laughs) In. The <laughs> ultimate trophy. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that you got a ride, it's to watch other people not, not get, a, get ride a ride after yeah, exactly. 20 yeah. plus? Because you're two plus hours ahead and you finished at 18 and a half hours. So therefore, logically, they're at least 20 something.
1: They finished second place, finished 21 something. Oh, I, I have a photo somewhere in my phone. I may be able to find and it. And I not get a ride back. Oh, and. Yeah, I just imagine this dude standing on the side of the road all hurry though. So yeah, he gave me a lift back. I I went to sleep and like you you think you're going to sleep for days. No, no, I literally I think I might have even texted Mark right after I finished. Oh
0: yeah. Yeah. I I, I think I saw <laughs> the I, <text>. can <laughs> <laughs> I think it was
1: shared with me. <laughs> um and uh, you know, you maybe you don't know but you would think yeah you're just gonna sleep Mm. but your body has been Mm. it's in such a i guess primal fight or flight mode that it's just like no you're not still hyper aware oh you're so hyper vigilant Mm. um and when i finally did fall asleep you know it i slept maybe four or five hours and then i was like I'm awake. I'm driving to Salt Lake. I'm gonna go hang out with. I think I fell asleep on Mark's floor, probably. (laughs) Exhausted. (laughs) Yeah, it's one of those deals where, yeah, you get back and you're just like,
0: I'm gonna eat all your food. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Go to the grocery store. (laughs) So uh, I'm five hours away.
2: (laughs) I mean, when people talk about, I don't know, maybe we have a misconception.
1: as human beings, we have a lot of those.
2: Yeah, but I mean, culturally, of what we appreciate in in what it suffering and all this other yeah. stuff, like what we appreciate out of in sport highlights a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very telling um, today. I think it's um, an interesting, if not fascinating thing that we're having this conversation about the efforts you give on a day that is celebrating one of the most mediocre sports in the world and i hope people get fucking mad at me for this today is super bowl sunday if Uh you didn't know i didn't know until today um where why are the streets so quiet where we will have um our best or quote unquote our best athletes or our best people they're going to play a game today the game will last i think on average four hours Mm -hmm. but the game time is 11 fucking minutes the actual game time and they're considered courageous or considered the best. And they're considered all these things on a day when I would way rather hear about, (laughs) sorry, but nobody knows who the fuck you are. (laughs) No, no. There's no Nike ad with you in it. And there's nobody, but no one's giving me free bikes to do this shit.
0: No, No, but but, uh, for like races that last 18 hours, you should at least have like a, a, a lube. (laughs) <laughs> kind of sponsor for you know, um, D's nuts f- gets to sponsor you for, yeah. for, for, the, for yeah, the contact points kind of,
2: yeah <laughs> I, and that because like it's such a i don't i don't know why i'm so fascinated by people's distraction by something that is basically just in a glorified advertisement campaign mm. and, and they, they they'll you know and also the day in which domestic abuse is at its highest <laughs> and, and you wonder why these things are correlated and I was like, well, there's people yelling from a love seat about how their best player isn't playing up to his ability. And there's also this idea that they're doing something transformative. They are not. They are doing it for a fucking ring or they're doing it for, you know, more millions of dollars. And mm-hmm. when you look at it, you're like, you put yourself in a position during these events that allowed you to not only hallucinate, um, <laughs> imaginary animals but you put yourself into actually having moments of self-realization and that 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 is so unimportant in our culture today that it's overlooked by like a golden ring or something with diamonds in it or a funny advertisement or and i just had a friend that sent me like hey i know you don't like the super bowl but you could come over and you know eat all this shitty food which you know might be fun yeah but what's the like what is the conversation that surrounds the Super Bowl whether you liked the fucking commercial or not whether you liked oh yeah
0: that isn't that it yeah like how much or they how spent was the halftime band or, yeah or
2: like you know Justin Timberlake got his you know a midget to come on stage and do something crazy or somebody showed their t- that there's some kind of outrage that leads to everybody's you know you grab everybody's attention for these really, fucking benign stupid human things and in the same moment we're missing the opportunity to like you know do something hard do something that nobody else is doing or that very few people are doing that allows you an opportunity to know yourself better and i think if we could sum up the use of suffering the use of endurance the use of um Questionable exercise, even if it's in a gym. Because I I although it I yeah, yeah, it's limited and we mention that often, it, it's a useful tool if it points you towards the stuff that you do. And that that's one of the really fascinating things to me is that well, I know you because of the gym, mm-hmm. but I know more about you because we've ridden a bike together, and I know even more about you because we've had conversations about riding bikes together. And I go, okay, the stepping stone was kind of artificially con- yeah, contrived and then the building blocks were efforts that were questionable as in I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this and then the friendship and the relationship is built on the fact that commonality of, of this endeavor this suffering together led to something that that's really interesting. I mean we could share a Super Bowl ring yeah. if we were you know genetically gifted to, to and I'm not saying that I am to play that game and that might be the highlight of our life. But the fact that you can look back at these experiences, these you've traveled the world literally um, and, and we've been in other parts of the world mm-hmm. riding together and, and developed this relationship. but you, you've traveled and done all these experiences, and that is so fucking valuable. Like I I see that. I mean, we had the conversation the other day about the value and I'm listening to the thing and the only question in my head was like, do I have the fucking balls to do that? I don't think I do. I don't think I can do what you do. But I'm questioning it because I want to at least, I I at least want to imitate the attitude that you have going into these things, which is like, yeah, yeah, it's going to be shitty, but I'm going to see how good I am when stuff is really shitty.
1: Yeah. And going back to the, Cultural thing, I I think what Mark did in the mountains, in a lot of what maybe I'm trying to emulate that on a bicycle, and other people are doing that with um, that marathon thing we're talking. What was that race called? The Barkley Marathon. Barkley Marathon. Um, uh, Bad water, Mm -hmm. things like that. I think people. It's not easy to wrap up in packaging. It's not easy. The story is more complicated and it isn't an easy narrative to sell to people. And because it's such a personal thing that people are looking for, these journeys of self-discovery, and you can't sell self-discovery. And when you can't market it in a cute and pretty way Mm. with Janet Jackson's... (laughs) (laughs) sorry nip slip (laughs) malfunction (laughs) (laughs) that um yeah when you can't sell it when you don't have something to sell um our culture doesn't know what to do with it and i don't want to turn this into a political thing but in a capitalist society there's nothing to sell there because it's because it is a transformative experience uh, and, th- th- so, th- and I know that sounds kind of dickish.
2: No, no, it doesn't at all. Uh, so I I would this would contradict what I said the other day about experience being you know something that's valuable to me. Yeah. But I was also have to admit, in the same breath, that that that's just something that's been um, mythologized and that I've bought into. Like the the idea that we go someplace that we don't know to have an experience is another type of value, and I get that. Yeah. Um, it's just beyond one that can be sold. And so I think that it's more valuable. Yeah. Um, But there is something to this idea about uh, going outside of our comfort zone, doing things that we wouldn't normally do, and also doing something that culture doesn't do, like what our society is told that we don't do. I think that should interest more people. And it's sad that it doesn't. It goes back to,
1: I think a lot of people, if they were exposed to these ideas, I think that they would be willing to explore them. The problem is, it's kind of like music. If you haven't been exposed to a certain band,
0: maybe you don't know that they're good. Maybe you don't. And because people well, haven't-, haven't, haven't been exposed to them, you don't know of them. And if you haven't, once you have been exposed to them, if you haven't been told by someone whose opinion you respect that you should like them, that this is like a, you know, like a bull in a way, mm-hmm. um, then you may not. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, some of it's availability, but some of it's just like these these stories have not been told in a way maybe that makes them accessible or makes the, um, the reward or the result or the outcome uh, a, a desirable thing. Mm-hmm. Like I'd say, Hey, this is a process of self-discovery. You get to know yourself better. And somebody might hear that and go, fuck that. <laughs> I, I know myself too well already. And I'm like, and I don't like what I see. And I'm like, well, but by the way of this process, maybe you can change who you are.
2: It's gonna, and, or and, what, you and, can at least change what you hate about yourself. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, just shift the angle a little bit i yeah. some of the like this has been i mean it's always good to get back and talk about endurance because i think it is in essence the the physical effort that i most cherish mm-hmm. um and, it, and it's always interesting hearing like people's their take on it and what it's done for them and there's some stuff that i really hit home and and you said like you can go deep and you can recover and then you can go deep again and i think uh, that's just a life lesson like i mean when we learn that it's okay to go deep on a project and just like okay take a minute Oh wait we can do that again and that that has nothing to do with the physical realm it has to do with the mental realm it has to do with the material world and selling things in profit and all this other if you know what you're capable of um at least have an accurate idea of what I think I can do. You can expand on that, but if you have no fucking bearing, you're incapable. And incapability is probably just the least attractive thing in a human being that I could ever fucking think of.
0: I'm, I'm going to wrap this up right now. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> with with the text. Ooh. Okay. Sean sent on June twenty second, two thousand fourteen. This is right after the. Uh, Yeah. Four Horsemen. It's pretty simple. I'm finished. I won. I'm a bit fucked up right now. (laughs) 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 And on that that note, I think um, we should revisit this idea at some point, but uh, we've thrashed it pretty well today. Nice. Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks, Sean, for uh, stepping in. My pleasure.